It's time to cover all things Catholic in the heart of South and Central Texas. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network, get ready to rise and walk with Richard and Julie Reyna. And folks, welcome to Rise and Walk. Just like Jimmy said right there, we are excited to have you with us today. Uh, we've got a great show planned for you today. And uh, it's actually, Julie, I- I'm flying solo today. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. My co-host, my bride, my, my Julie, uh, needed to be somewhere else right now. Uh, so I, it's just me and our guest today, which you can see him here on camera uh, with us right now. And I want to touch really quickly what our show is going to be about. The Catholic social teaching when it comes specifically to voting wow and with the elections coming up really really soon i want to make sure you we do our very best here in guadalupe radio network uh to learn how if you're aspiring to be a faithful catholic uh if you're listening right now and you're you're a protestant or non-catholic christian uh maybe you're an atheist maybe you're agnostic whatever it is that you're out there if you're aspiring at any point at all any percentage of yourself wants to wants to follow the teachings of the catholic church what does that mean when it comes to the vote? So we will do our very best uh, with Deacon Dr. David Delaney as our guest today. And of course, he showed up with a great, great outline of what we're going to be talking about and touching. I want to make sure we do our very best uh, that you leave this show well-formed, uh, with a well-formed conscience and informed so you can make that kind of a vote coming, I think it's November 3rd. I should know the date. <laughs> anyway, um, that's going to be our show today, but I do want to get praying right away so we can jump into this, because I'm sure y'all are going to have a lot of questions. Um, please go to our Facebook page as well, if you'd like, and put some questions there. Uh, again, you'll see which one is our show. We have several shows across the network on the Guadalupe Radio Network going live right now. But I think you'll be able to pick up which one's ours. So God bless you. And uh, this today's uh, opening prayer is from the Priest for Life. And it goes like this. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh God. We acknowledge you today as Lord, not only of individuals, but of nations and governments. We thank you for the privilege of being able to organize ourselves politically and of knowing that political loyalty does not have to mean disloyalty to you. We thank you for your law, which our founding fathers acknowledged and recognized as higher than any human law. We thank you for the opportunity that this election year puts before us to exercise our solemn duty to not only to vote, but to influence countless others to vote and vote correctly. Lord, we pray that your people may be awakened. Let them realize that while politics is not their salvation, their response to you requires that they be politically active. Awaken your people to know that they are not called to be a sect fleeing the world, but rather a community of faith renewing the world. Awaken them that the same hands lifted up to you in prayer are the hands that pull the lever in the voting booth, that the same eyes that read your word are the eyes that read the names on the ballot, and that they do not cease to be Christians when they enter the voting booth. Awaken your people to a commitment to justice, to to the sanctity of marriage and the family, to the dignity of each individual human life, and to the truth that human rights begin when human lives begin, and not one moment later. Lord, we rejoice today that we are citizens of your kingdom. May that make us all the more committed to being faithful citizens on earth. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. 
Saint Anthony the Padua, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, well, Deacon, how are you doing? I'm glad you're here with us today. Well, thank you. It's always so good to be here with you. Yeah, I, I, I made a comment about flying solo, because uh, not only is Julie not here, but our intern is no longer with us. Ty, and she ran the, bo- I mean, she ran the camera, she did a great job of it, but her last day was Friday, so I'm trying to run the board, run the cameras, run it all. Looking for Praise a new Jesus. intern. So. <laughs> yes, 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 definitely. Um, but I'm excited about today's show. Uh, I'm looking forward to myself learning a few things and uh but there's so much to there's so many words out there i mean hopefully i'll say it all right there's so many challenges out there and uh, i know i remember looking back when when i didn't fully understand how we needed to vote as as catholics or maybe i add to it as faithful catholics or, or aspiring faithful catholics i didn't understand and when i and i heard a, a dvd series titled i think it was forming your conscience Vote in your conscience uh, by a Catholic priest at the time. I I, I was blown away because I, mm. I didn't understand things that way. I didn't I didn't get that, and uh, that opened up a whole new world for me. And I remember looking at uh, Julie, and, and praise God, uh, Julie and I've been on the same page of everything our entire lives, and uh, knowing her since she's six years old, we know yeah. everything about each other. And we're like, wow, wow, wow! I remember going, what have we been doing? Mm. And uh, because we learned so much, I, I want to do our very best with today's show, and that was probably about twenty years ago. <laughs> Um, to help so others, also, yeah, <laughs> uh, to do that. But it's not so easy to just say, "Oh, you got to vote this way." Oh, you got to yeah. vote this way. There's a lot of things to be considered um, when it comes to to voting. I guess I should introduce you again. You are uh, Doctor uh, Deacon David. Did I say it the right way? Deacon David Delaney. Yes. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. do I say President CEO or President of? Of Mother of the Americas Institute. I mean, tell me how do sure. I? <laughs> yeah, director is uh, okay. Director, the there you go. Term, but yeah, director, president. Um, so yeah, we have as the uh, the director of the Mother of the Americas Institute. We are a um, nonprofit. Uh, we, our role is as a think tank for the new evangelization. And as most think tanks go, we are responsible for our mission is basically to take really the the best of uh, practice, the best of uh, theoretical knowledge, and to apply it to particular challenges, particular problems. And all of these things come together, right? There are many unmet needs in terms of the way that the Catholic intellectual tradition and the Catholic spiritual practices, right, the moral (coughs) knowledge can apply and needs to apply to the manifold issues in society, which basically are making it more and more difficult for evangelization to occur. Evangelization requires a, go- a, a, a society that is open to the gospel. The more and more turned away from gospel values we are, the more and more resistant a society is to the gospel. This is why we are seeing, I mean, we live in a society today that influences us, whether we realize it or not, as Catholics, but in a society today that is open to everything except Christianity. Mm. Christianity is the one thing, the, right, it's the fullness of truth, but it's the Catholic Church is the fullness of this, but it's the one thing that at the outset, society has already said that we know that's not true and we're not going to listen to any of it. Right? <laughs> it's very much lost. And we have to recognize that if we are going to affect society, we have to be transformed by the gospel. We have to be transformed by what the church teaches and take that into the world if we are going to be able to present Jesus Christ to the world. 
the voting booth is one of the most important places that we as Catholics participating in society can do so. Mm, I love that. And, uh, and I, was, I meant to look up the catechism reference, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but even the catechism the Catholic Church touches on uh, how we should vote as, as in the, you know, that we should vote as Catholics with a formed and informed conscience. Exactly. Um, we can't just, just go vote, you know, whether it be straight party or you know, whenever we're do, whatever it is we're doing, we need to form ourselves very well. Uh, and I think part of the challenge is, is even before, you know, I saw this DVD series, uh-huh. I didn't know what that meant. I, I thought it was well-formed. Uh, so initially, what are your thoughts about uh, where should we start if we're out there listening today, wanting to vote as a faithful Catholic, um, what things do we need to consider? Oh, yes. Well, we have to uh, understand what a conscience is and where it comes from. This is one of the most difficult things because I think in many ways this is a point of agreement between those who follow what the church teaches and those who reject what the church teaches. The Really the inviolability, right? The inability to, um, to force someone to act against their conscience. Now, not everybody thinks that, the, that you shouldn't do this, but for the most part, Catholics do. It's unfortunate, but the biggest problem that we un, uh, oftentimes run into in our discussions or really our arguments with one another is we're using the same terms with different meanings. So it's important That's to right. recognize yep. what this term really and truly does mean. And everything, everything, in all my teaching, I always go back to the Trinity, right? Uh, even before the... Uh, in a certain sense, right? Be even before Adam and Eve. So mm-hmm. sometimes I can go long in the tooth. You will make sure that <laughs> no I don't problem. do so. That's but, okay. But right, we have to recognize that we're made in the image of the Trinity, which is radically one. Right? We're made for one for this kind of unity. We have we pine for this kind of unity that the Trinity has in the oneness of God. Right? There's one in what what God is, but there's three in who God is. We have a similarity. We all share the same human nature. There's an infinite difference, by the way, but there's a similarity. We share the same human nature. What we are is all the same. Who we are is where we become distinct, mm. separate, different. There are many who's, but we are made for this, hum- this communion. How can you have communion? It begins really with the word. It begins with truth, truth that bears fruit in love. The early church refers to, right? Jesus is the incarnate word, is truth himself. The Holy Spirit is love. The Holy Spirit proceeds from this act of truth of the Father and the Son. This is the interior life of the Trinity, by the way. It's only love if it arises from truth. It's only truth if it bears fruit in love. That's the foundation, really, for the, for the flourishing of individual human beings, for the flourishing of society. That's where it all begins. We have to know truth, and it has to bear fruit in love for all of our actions as individuals and as actions of society. All of them. Every single one. Mm-hmm. This is where conscience comes in. It's a faculty that God has given us. Not to know truth, or, or not to, I suppose, not necessarily to, um, uh, to form one's own truth. Let's, let's look at it first of all from what conscience isn't then. Conscience isn't our feelings. A feeling of guilt can arise from a conscience acting correctly, sometimes even acting incorrectly. It's not our own opinion. It's not our own access to divine revelation or what God, right? 
It's none of those things. What it is, it's a three-part faculty. It's an awareness of what theologians call moral norms, right? Right and wrong. The Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, right? What is a right action and what is a wrong action? We need to be aware of that. Natural law lets us know about that through reason alone. Divine revelation confirms it for us, and actually with the gospel expands upon that. But we at least know what we ought not to do, yep. and those things that some of those things that we should do. Most of us don't use our reason well enough to be intimately aware of what we ought to not do. But we can come to see it when it's shown to us through natural law, without having to rely on even the, you know, saying you have to do, accept the response or the authority of Scripture or of the Catholic Church. We can have this common ground. And this is something that's very important. So when we're talking about our social responsibilities and things like voting, things about things that we can and can't vote for, we don't have to, it, just because the church teaches it doesn't mean that it is privileged divine revelation that requires our accepting being Catholic or Christian or even believing in God. We don't have to. We can still show, no, this, these are things that all human beings can do. Gotcha. So we can't isolate it because it is religious that we don't have to pay attention to it. This is a big mistake in our society. It's, it's what one of my uh, former uh, philosophy professors called vague thinking. Right? It's not a premise that, you know, a conclusion that follows a premise, a, a valid premise. So we have to be aware of moral norms. That's the first step. We have to be formed by that. We have to be formed by these moral norms. It takes study. It takes prayer, frankly, but it takes study to be aware of these moral norms. The second step, if you will, of this faculty is the application of these moral norms to specific concrete actions that you are about to take, or if you're very slow or habitual like me, maybe actions you've mm-hmm. already taken and you need to ooh, judge whether or not that was <laughs> right or wrong. Right? And then the third step is, I'm sorry, you, you apply them, and the third step is judging. Did I or didn't I act rightly? So these three steps, all of them require formation. All of them require practice. If we're not doing so, then our, um, our uh, consciences can become like the little red-headed stepchild at the table when nobody listens to him. It becomes quieter and quieter, and soon you don't hear him anymore. Mm. And this is one of the problems right. with an unformed or a malformed conscience. It's not working right, and when it does work right, we don't pay attention to it anyway. Got it. So we have to have a formed conscience. We cannot just say, well, I prefer this, and so because I don't feel guilty about it, my conscience says it's okay. That's a, an His error. feelings can be wrong, and that's one of the, uh, when I'm talking to folks out there, when it comes to things like voting, again, specifically we're talking about uh, how to form your conscience and, and, and vote your conscience um, with specific uh, uh, points that Dr. Delaney is, is sharing with us. And I love that because you're breaking it down to the very, very basic, and then we're going to build it back up and, and, and help others to understand. So I encourage you out there, if you're listening today, whether via f- social media on Facebook or just over the air, uh, you can catch the podcast of this show uh, and just catch the on-air version of it. Or if you go to the Facebook page and join us via Facebook Live, uh, we always go into an after show after we leave the airwaves. It goes about 10 to 20 minutes afterwards. You can catch the entire video, Facebook uh, live video afterwards, anytime. In case you got a question about it, 
uh, in case you think we said you said something that maybe you think we said something that we actually didn't say, but you want to make sure you understand everything we're saying, please go back and hear it because I know I've said it before. I have to listen to a talk three or four or five times sometimes just for it to start to sink in and so I can remember it. And and what got me on fire for this is this past Friday, um, uh, usually from two to three o'clock in the afternoon. We have a program called Open Line. Mm. And, uh, and on Mondays, it's John Martinoni. Tuesdays, is Father Wade Menezes. Wednesdays, is Father Mitch Pacwa, and so forth. Uh, well, this past Friday, it was a roundtable discussion with Father Mitch Pacwa, uh, with Colin Donovan, uh, with, uh, I'm forgetting who the other one was right now. Father, uh, Fa- Father Robert Spitzer, yes. Um, and now moderated by, I think, Doug Keck. And, and, and the points that they touched, I, I love them. Because they, they, they broke it down a little bit, kind of like what you're doing as well. And then they hit points with like, you know, you can't vote for this, for this reason. Um, you, you can vote for this. And, and they helped you to build it back up. And it wasn't, uh, I, I'm very big on semantics. Mm-hmm. I, I am. You know, when somebody says that you can't do this, I said, well, I think I can do this, but I shouldn't do this. Yeah. It's something different. Um, and, and I think you and I grasp that, but I like the way your approach to it is even, even clearer. You love talking about truth, uh, the fullness of the faith, the fullness of the truth, and, and helping to form our consciences based on natural law and, and, and where God would have us do and, and, and make sure we have a very well-formed conscience. And what I run into a lot is people who, who believe their conscience is very well-formed. So I like that, which I didn't realize it was termed the Socratic method. I like approaching people with, once I find out they, they have a, 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 doing something in opposition to the, t- the teachers of the Catholic Church and how they approach something, I love asking them questions. Yes. So that way they can try to articulate why it is what they do. And again, if it's, if it's against any kind of church teaching, then maybe hopefully I'm saying it right, then it's, then it's against truth. Yes. Whether they realize it or not, but I'm not going to convert them. Uh, I, I pray that I pl- I'm able to plant the right seeds with them, and then a week from then, or an, a month, or even a year, and their prayer life, maybe they, they, they go to Holy Mass faithfully, maybe even daily, and spend time in, in Eucharistic adoration. Boom! You know, I've heard many friends come up to me and say, you know what, you said this, and I didn't, I didn't quite get that. But then you said, Richard, pray about it. So, I, you know, I prayed, prayed about it because, you know, you and I didn't agree. But it was three months later, Richard, and I was in adoration, and then, bing, it hit me. I'm like, and, I, and I love that because they're open to hearing where the Holy Spirit is guiding them, as opposed to relying on I know best what's best for me yes. and me 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 and, and and I love that. Yeah, no, that's a very important approach. I think that that's the right approach, especially today in our society. We are rebelling against really a kind of a legalistic mindset. You you know you have to do this, you can't do that. Then we are really, as a society, we're like teenagers. You know, you can't tell me, right? You're not my daddy. Yeah. Um, and in, that makes it very difficult. But even if you could force somebody through the strength of your argument, right, the force of your will to back down and say, well, I guess I don't have a, a response to that. You're probably right. That's not a conversion. Yeah. They're not, going to, they're not going to be helped by that. They may or may not, you know, follow, but they're going to hear the world, you know, the wisdom of the world. They'll eventually go back to where they were before if they don't see it and yep. fully embrace yep. it. You see, obedience is, Christian obedience is not like a worldly obedience. Christian obedience is love. Christian obedience is, obedience comes right from the Latin obediere, to listen, to first listen, to hear. Why? To be transformed by the truth. 
Only when we, right, and this is the idea of the conscience, only when we see it and fully, joyfully embrace it does it transform us. Does it bear fruit and love? And does it transform the world? Mm. If we simply beat people down into trying to coerce them into acting in the way we think they act, this is the problem that we have of parents who, you know, families, all of us perhaps know wild children who this is, you know, their parents were very strict, but it was really their parents' strictness that was causing their obedience. They hadn't embraced it for themselves, and by the time they leave, the, they don't have it. And when their right, liberties are given to them when they leave, they don't know how to handle their liberties. And they're all over the place, worse than someone that perhaps wasn't a, the most obedient child, but learned to uh, become more obedient. Mm. So we have to, it's, it's, especially in the society that we live in today, we have to be able to help people. And this is why the church doesn't tell us who to vote for. Right. It, it can't tell us who to vote, not because we're going to lose our, well, there may be some people that are concerned about that, not because they're going to lose their 501c3 you know, status, but because your job is to be transformed into Christ. The leadership's idea, responsibility, is not to tell them what to do, but tell them, help to form them into other Christs so that they can transform society. Hmm. I, uh, if the bishop tells me, I have to do what my bishop tells me, of course, yeah. and my pastor. But, right, but it, before I was ordained, if the bishop told me what to do, I'd say, yes, sir. But then being, not being well-formed, I would have, could tell my neighbor, who's not Catholic, well, why are you, you know, you should vote this way. Well, why? Well, because my bishop told me. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So, um, so with that, you know, Bishop Strickland, I think it was last Wednesday, uh, of the Diocese of Tyler, put out a tweet um, on, on Twitter, and it goes like this. We must speak against the fallacy that abortion is about a woman's health, about a woman's health care. Interrupting the natural process of pregnancy is actually a threat to a woman's health. And to speak of the murder of the child in her womb, death by dismemberment, is evil. You know, a lot of people don't understand that. And they sometimes don't understand that uh, we should be you know, speaking up for those uh, the, the, the least in our society. Right. And of course, some people talking about, you know, they'll toss in their immigration and people coming across the border and looking for help. And, and I never say that's not an important topic because I grew up in the South Texas, further South Texas. But I say the, the real South Texas. And that, that was, you know, it's been happening for some time, but of course, I think it's on the increase. But, you know, on this show, Open Line, they talked about you can't take a lot of, I'm sorry, separating the two. Abortion is intrinsic, intrinsically evil. Big, right. big, big word to basically say it is never justifiable. Right. Period. Regardless, regardless of the circumstances. Um, immigration is not a, an intrinsic evil. It's a, it's a, a grave matter. It's a, it's a big issue. But uh, I forget how, how Father Pacwa said it, but if you're dead, you won't be immigrating. Yeah. There's no life. Right. You know? um, I, again, I'm not trying to dumb, down, dumb it down at all, but we have to put things in a priority order. And I think I'm trying to remember... What part of St. John Paul's document, Christi Fidelis Leici, I'm not saying it right, I'm even saying it right, That's but right. it talked about uh, the justice issues out there, uh, feeding the hungry, clothing the, the, the naked, um, helping the poor, and of course it mentioned immigration as well. Those are very, very important issues, but it talked about also about the life issues, right. and, and, and I think I need to, I wish I had the paragraph uh, with me right now, but 
JP2 mentioned how we had to have life just higher, more right. priority, more important, because without life, you don't have these issues. And, and however that plays out in people's minds, we need to remember that. We need to pray about that. Uh, again, I'm not going to sit here and, and go back and forth with which candidate and which party and which this and which that. There are issues out there. You know, uh, an apostolate, Kathy Gantris put out a, mm-hmm. a, a booklet maybe about eight years ago, maybe longer, maybe 12. Uh, the, 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 the Catholic Voter's Guide, the, ser- the Voter's Guide for Serious Catholics. Now, again, it's a document that they put out there, a little booklet. Um, it wasn't meant to be an all-encompassing, but I think it mentioned five non-negotiables. Right. I think a lot of people out there take them as the top five, and that's it. No, no, we're not trying to say that's the, the, the case, but it's, if, you, if you get it with these issues, that's going to be a really good way of forming your conscience and who, on individual uh, voting uh, uh, elections and, and, and uh, positions, uh, of, of whether it be school boards or presidency or vice presidency or or mayor, or governor, or attorney, any, any uh, position in the, in the political realm, um, if you take these into, a, into consideration, man, you're, you're on a good track. And it was abortion, of course, was one of them. Embryonic stem cell research was one, of, and they clarified between embryonic and adult stem cells. That's mm-hmm. two totally different things. Right. Um, uh, human cloning, uh, uh, I think same-sex attraction was one of them as mm-hmm. well. And the other one was euthanasia. Right. And, and learn those, what the church teaches, teaches on those, and apply those principles to whatever candidate is you're voting for, you're, you're in a good process of, of, of having a well-formed conscience and voting that conscience. I think I said it all right. Did no, you agree with all that? Exact, that's okay. exactly right. So, yeah, those points that they laid out, those five, which are relevant to, that were especially relevant at that particular right, time. Right, there right. There are others now, especially, that we could add to those. For example, not just same-sex attraction, but, you know, the very fact that we have a sexual identity that's given to us at birth and that... Right, these things that destroy really the meaning of the human person are so are are next in line after the fact that we have life. And, and right. I, just for clarification, I know I said same-sex attraction and homosexuality and same-sex attraction. That's not the issue; it's the acts involved. So let me be real clear with that. I don't want to say that if somebody experiences same-sex attraction, that they're no. evil and they're going to hell. I will never but, say that. Exactly. But right. okay. that's a very important clarification. Uh, the, but the important point about that is the acts are wrong. The, the attraction is a natural evil, I would say, right? But it's not morally evil. It becomes disordered. And it's important to recognize that we have to make the clarification that just like if, there's, if my attraction isn't working the way that it's supposed to, it's not ordered to the way that I made, and there's something wrong that we should address to resolve. Which is, but it doesn't mean that I've caught, that, I mean, just like having cancer, right, something is wrong. I haven't done anything wrong to do it, necessarily, right? The same with regard to having that disorder. When it comes to these things, though, acting on, you know, same-sex attraction, acting on choosing to follow a, a disordered identity, these things damage us. They damage all of society. There's no right way to do these things. And so these are all, as you said, intrinsic evils. When we talk about the, there's no right way to do them. There's no Correct. way of, abortion, the, right, the faithful citizenship, uh, the document, Forming Consciences for Sa- Faithful Citizenship, this um, latest document that was put out by the USCCB reasserts what Pope Francis said um, in the ad limina visits of bishops, several bishops uh, from the U.S., uh, late last year, that abortion is the preeminent issue. Here Say that again. 
that abortion is <laughs> the preeminent issue. Why is that? Well, actually, I did a, um, a uh, blog post on MAI's uh, webpage today for, um, you know, that help us to understand that. But in sum, it has to do with intrinsic evils. There are two aspects of the reason why it is a preeminent issue. Abortion is the most grave, the most grave form of murder that we have. There, it's murder is very grave. It's murder is the definite, the definition of murder is the purposeful taking of an innocent life. Those who are unborn are the most of innocent, the least capable of being protected. And its, its gravity is because, first of all, they are the most innocent and most in need of being protected, right? So murder is intrinsic evil. It yeah. is an unborn person who is being murdered, the most uh, susceptible, the most vulnerable, increasing the gravity. It's happening within the womb of the mother by those being carried out by the mother and father who f have the first responsibility for protecting that. Also by doctors who have, whose very responsibility is protecting that life. By, the, by um, legislators and executives, right, whose very responsibility is protecting human life. These increase the moral gravity of it. So it's, very, it's, in, it's the most grave of all intrinsic evils. If we don't understand what abortion is, look at any kind of genocide, look at any kind of violence that is done to human beings, increase the gravity of it because of who it's doing and where it's being done. You know, Father Mitch, Pro, yeah, Father Mitch Paco gave an example, and I want to make sure you mention it here, and I'm going to put a link to uh, the Open Line episode so that way th those of you out there tuning in via Facebook you can click on it, and it should take you to the audio, and you can listen to it. And, and he gave an example of, you know, rape. Rape is, is an intrinsic evil. It is, yes. is never justified. Um, but a woman gets raped, and, re and it results in a pregnancy. You wouldn't take the perpetrator and, with a hacksaw, start cutting off all his limbs. And, and you know, it, it, as a, in a response, that's just not... not and crush his head. Yeah, it's, you don't, we don't do that. So why should we do that to the innocent child exactly. that's in the womb? You know, when he said that, I went, wow, yes. what a great visual, what a great example of understanding what is going on there. Uh, uh, hopefully some of you out there, it'll resonate with you as well. Again, continue to pray. If you're just tuning in right now, we're speaking with Dr. Uh, Deacon David Delaney, uh, uh, Director of Mother of the Americas Institute. You can find more information locally, oh, all over the web, at mainstitute.org. And maybe a quick plug for what... Uh, Mother of the Americas Institute, it is. Yes, yes, it's a think tank <laughs> for the new evangelization in this area of really helping to form intellects, helping to form one another as really as disciples of Jesus Christ is one of the fundamental areas that we, there are a lot of things that are being done in that regard, but one of the things that we're very much involved in trying to help, especially other po apostolates to do, and right as we suggested earlier, forming ourselves for helping to transform society back towards gospel you know gospel values which were have been lost and 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 really abandoned and that sometimes actually actively rejected mm -hmm. is an intimate part of what we're doing amen that's great miinstitute.org we're going to take a quick break here because we've already gone 31 minutes into the show today but folks don't go anywhere we'll be right back with more on how to form your conscience better form your conscience so when it comes to the voting booth 
uh, this coming uh, November 3rd, you'll you'll vote with a well-formed conscience and make a Stay vote. tuned for more Rise and right Walk here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Now is the time for Mercy, the second greatest story ever told. That's the name of the upcoming Fullness of Truth Conference in Canton, Texas. Taking place on Saturday, October 17th from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., the conference will focus on the story of St. Faustina and the Divine Mercy image and will feature guest speakers Bishop Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler, Susan Convoy from EWTN, and Dr. Luke Arredondo. You can buy your tickets online at fullnessoftruth.org. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful, or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org You're listening to Rise and Walk with my dad and mom, Richard and Julie Reyna. Don't touch that dial, we'll be right back. Join some of the foremost theology of the body experts and enthusiasts from around the world for the 4th International TOB Congress, hosted by the TOB Institute on October 30th through November 1st. This conference has gone virtual with the theme that we might have sight. This will explore the beauty and the power of St. John Paul II's theology of the body teaching to bring healing and sight to the blindness of our modern culture, as well as our own hearts. To register, visit TOBCongress.com. Now, back to Rise and Walk with Richard and Julie. And today, it's Richard and Deacon David Fellaini. <laughs> Deacon, uh, again, um, I love this topic because I can always learn something. And actually, I need to give credit. I have a, a Facebook friend of mine who has been challenging me. I think she put out a post from the Washington Post uh-huh. about uh, Pope Francis's latest document. And, and I'm trying to explain to her, you know, I, I don't like to to read sources that are not uh, Catholic sources. Now, again, somebody told me that, you know, that no, but the person that wrote this editorial on Pope Francis's document is Catholic. Oh, that, that's fine, but I don't, I don't know who this person is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. So I'd rather go to reputable sources like the National Catholic Register or maybe EWTN uh, News or a Catholic News Agency or if the USCCB has something on it as well. Um, I, 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 I just shy away from the secular sources. I don't think that's, that's the wrong thing to do. It's not an intrinsic evil to follow those. I'm not trying to say that. But, you know, I think we need to remember uh, that we need to, to, to seek the, the faithful sources that are out there. Uh, I'll, I'll tangent off for just a little bit. I, I remember in, in a previous election some years back, uh, I won't even mention his name, but a gentleman was, was running for a high office in the, in the San Antonio area. Mm-hmm. And uh, he made a comment about Pope Francis. And I went, oh, he's like, what? I said, you know what? I, I was about to, to learn more about you before our discussion, before our meeting today. And I found a, a video online that talked about you. Actually, it was in a positive light. 
But after 10 seconds of this four minute video, I stopped and I said, what am I doing? Of course it's coming from your area. It's gonna be all about you. I could easily go to an area or another forum that talks negatively about you, but no, 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 I don't wanna go to those sources. They're biased. I wanna go straight to you. So I stopped it. I went to what I thought was a better source, you. So I told him, do me a favor. If you're gonna quote something about about Pope Francis, because unfortunately he, he took a jab at Pope Francis. Um, I said, uh, do me a favor, uh, go to a reputable source. And I gave him a list of them. I said, don't, don't go to secular media. He's like, oh, you got me. <laughs> so so that's, that's, that's more of my motivation. Again, I'm not trying to tell you that I can't be well-formed uh, or given some information from a, a, a secular outlet, but I'd rather go uh, to those that have been tested and, and tried and, and are still amongst us and have good service. So anyway, so I think that's you in my life. <laughs> that, sorry, that's where well, I'm going. You, Mother Richard. America's Institute, miinstitute.org. And again, when I got a question, I can't quite explain it. I'll ask you about it. And what I love about your explanations, uh, Deacon, is, is you, you make me stretch for it. It's a little <laughs> bit higher above me, and I got to go, oh, and pull it down. Oh, got it. And you, mm-hmm. you stimulate my brain in the Catholic world. So thank mm-hmm. you for doing that. I love that. Um, uh, so so mm-hmm. I, I made the comment about, we talked about uh, some, some non-negotiables, but right. I also tossed in there, um, and I didn't say it was non-negotiable, but the topic of immigration. Right. Um, what should we be thinking about? Because that's, of course, it's a very important topic. It is. But how should we approach it? Right. So, right, we have the, I mean, we have here, especially when it comes to voting, we have a lot of different goods, a lot of good, different goods of things that are being um, discussed. And it is very much true that there are, that, we have two different parties that don't don't agree on anything, and in fact, if they think they're agreeing, they're going to take the opposite view in the other <laughs> direction just to make sure they're not agreeing. Unfortunately, today, um, but the, these are uh, what we're talking about here with regard to immigration, right? Is there are certain aspects of it, right, that certainly we have to look at because we could, you know, lack of an adequate approach to immigration, especially with the realities that are occurring. We could be cooperating with sins of omission. If we know that there are people that are, you know, that are, you know, that, uh, that, are, that we're going to be causing to, uh, uh, through our, the specific policies, right, that are putting their lives at risk and just say, well, we don't care what's going to happen to them. They're just going to have to learn. Um, that could be, you know, that's something that could be ripe to the level of a very serious concern. You know, if one particular party's policies are those that can cause more death by omission of actions that could otherwise be taken. Um, but there's also, the, you know, there's also the issue of the gospel values of having to welcome people that uh, you know, there are rights, right? The church talks about rights. Rights of sovereignty over a nation, but also rights to emigrate, to improve right, your... Right, right. Ah, how from do the you, talk, that's right, right? yes. <laughs> how do you negotiate these when they seem to be competing rights, competing right, goods. Well, first of all, it starts out with doing no evils. We cannot do things that are intrinsically evil. Then we get to agreeing about things that policies and procedures that may or may not cause evils or that we don't know that might be, you know, consequences or may be able to provide more goods. Those get into the issue of not opinion, but judgment. This is where we call prudential judgment. And we have to be very careful not to equate prudential judgment with preference right. or personal opinion. 
that is where I think a lot of a lot of people that want to follow what the church does teaches falls into kind of a sense of legalism. If the church doesn't say I can't do it or I must do it, then I can do whatever I prefer or do. Well, that's not mm-hmm. forming a, that's not a well formed conscience. No, that's not understanding that we're being supposed to be transformed into Jesus Christ and acting and voting like it. We can't substitute political ideology or economic ideology for Catholic Church teaching. We have to be influence particular ideal, or particular philosophies, particular parties, not be influenced by them, especially when they con- they're contrary. So we have to recognize that there is a hierarchy of goods, a hierarchy of rights, in order when we start making judgments. So first, not cooperating, we can't do or will. Right, formally cooperate with, meaning formally is a, is a technical term, meaning that we intend the evil to occur. We can never formally cooperate with an intrinsic evil. There's another kind of cooperation that's called material cooperation. Material cooperation means that we provide the resources in some manner or other that allows this evil to occur. And there are, different, there are a wide variety of grades, and we won't go right. through all of them, of how close we are versus how remote we are, how immediate it is, rather immediate, meaning that we're right there and it doesn't happen without us, or immediate, where we do provide something, like paying for something on Amazon, where they get some of our money, and then they take some of that money and, you know, and provide that to um, people doing evil things. Yeah. Right. That's, a, that's, that's something that's relatively remote, is immediate, right? Um, then you know you have the things that, so it has to be um, material it has to be remote um, before you can start talking about whether or not we could possibly cooperate with something that is intrinsically evil um, that's one ma- that's one issue not doing any intrinsic evils there is a there are times that we can but it can only be when it is far enough removed remote that it's Immediate, not immediate, and it's a material kind of cooperation. Hmm. So, in this, then we also have the issue of how do we judge how you do, you know, how you between things that bring about greater goods or may bring about more evils. Well, you first start with the things, right? And this is really under the principle of double effect when we can for example, allow us to cooperate with evil. When the goods, right, that are, when greater evil is done, right, when, it, when our cooperate, to choose something else would co- to create more, more evil, right, then we can cooperate with this evil. We can't intend it, we can't be directly involved with it, but we can, right, we can have some measure of cooperation to avoid greater evils, greater evils from being done. We've already said that abortion is the most grave of possible evils. So any of the other evils don't rise to that level. Even if you think one, two candidates are, if, you know, if both are the same on abortion, they're exactly the same on, uh, you know, their policies and procedures on abortion, then we can start considering the, the, the issues of intrinsic evils that are below those levels of evil. Um, we have to know the candidates and know where, what they are promising, and also, if they have a track record, what their track record shows that they will do. Are they going to conform with what they say or not? Mm. 
we, uh, we have, individually, we have the responsibility of, main, the church doesn't have the responsibility of telling us which of these candidates fallen. That's, that belongs to the responsibility of the laity. Gotcha. So once we set aside the evils then of, can, you know, of candidates, if, say, none of the candidates, uh, the candidates that we're considering then are promoting these evils, then we can start talking about judgments about the greater amounts of good that each of them mm. can provide. Those then will balance on terms of, so we start with the good of life. It's the fundamental right, as you've already said. Without it, no other rights are possible. Right. It doesn't matter. On the other, the flip side of the coin, putting it in a more, um, I suppose, more visceral way, <clears throat> someone who says, I have the right, or the government has the right, to decide which human beings deserve the right to life and which human beings do not deserve the right to life loses any moral authority to, to complain about any other born person right, or any other person, their subordinate rights, right? Because you've already, once you've denied a baby, a concrete child, just because he's unborn, the right to life, you've denied him every other right, human right they are. You are a violator of not just the right to life, but every other human right. Uh, I don't think about that way. So why are you telling me that this other person, why, why, right? The only reason is because we have fallen into this, you know, this distorted thinking, right, that the emperor really does have clothes on, that somehow this human being is not really a human being. Hmm. You know, one of the things that was discussed on that show also for Open Line was, well, can we gather a bunch of, because you're talking about the, the hierarchy of, of goods and cooperation with evil, can we, let's just say one candidate is for uh, a policy on immigration that I like. Um, they also are, are in tune with health care that I want, because I want health care for everybody. Or if they're in tune with um, taxes, you know, th those are important issues. They are. But again, if they're where I want them to be with all these three, can all these three or four issues weigh more than something like abortion? Yeah, that's a very good question. And because we, there is a, there's a philosophy called proportionalism. It's a, it's a moral philosophy that basically tries to balance goods and evils and somehow put... That's an impossibility, and the church has never done, and never said. In fact, is uh, when it's come up, it's actually has always condemned it. Got it. Good. So um, no, we can't weigh all these. They don't. Other they, issues. And they okay, never gotcha. weigh, They can never weigh out. Right. You can never weigh out the fact. You can never do an evil that a good can come from it. First, right. you have to not promote or cooperate with evil when it can be avoided. In these cases, we can avoid. Right? We can avoid it. So, yeah, you can't, you can't ever do that. It, mm. it never is possible to say that these things are... I think um, you had mentioned the uh, Theological Roundtable when they talked about yes. this. They, they used, I forget, I think it was Father Pacwa maybe, who used my favorite example to kind of put this in relief. He used the example of, you know, Nazi Germany and Hitler. Oh. And, okay, so here you do. I mean, if you looked at the current, sta you know, the state of the economic state of Germany at the time that Hitler comes to power, it's the very reason he comes to power. He promises and he does deliver on transforming them economically 
into an, a giving, you know, their, they were, I don't remember the number, it was over 50% of unemployment, people didn't have jobs, it was, they were in economic crisis, which again is one of the reasons that he could, whatever he promises. But the other things, and, and frankly, during the time, they were a little bit, you know, he wasn't quite upfront with what he was promising in terms of his intrinsic evils. Those come to light much later. That's not the same today. All of the promises, all of these good promises, in many ways, whether they're prudent or not, all these good promises of those who are promoting abortion are good things. But, but they're not promising, they're not hiding what they're doing. They're saying, I am going to promote these opportunities to kill children. So we are in a worse, I mean, we're in a much more grave state morally than not, you know, those in Nazi Germany that were, that were Nazis at the very beginning, right, that supported Nazism, that didn't completely understand where they were going. You know, sometimes it, it, it does freak me out that, that that's an, it, uh, hear my words uh, in, in their entirety, that that's an issue. Whether or not it's okay to kill a baby in the womb. I mean, stop and look at that. That's such a huge issue. Yep. But yet some people out there like, eh, no, it's not. I'm like, wow. So I ask everybody that's out there who doesn't quite understand what the teaching is, or should I say, they know what the teaching is, they just don't understand why Catholic Church teaches that abortion is intrinsically evil, and this is something to take into account when you're deciding who to vote for, then pray about it. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Dr. Delaney, Delaney's word for it. Go to adoration. Go to, go to confession, first and foremost. Start off with a clear conscience. Uh, go to Eucharistic adoration. Eucharistic adoration. Go to, go to Holy Mass. Uh, but come back to adoration and just sit there and ask the Lord, help me to understand this point. And then let's talk about it if you still don't quite see what the church teaches on that issue. I'd love to talk to you individually if you have the opportunity. But you know, listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't guide you in the wrong direction. Yeah. But problem is a lot of people feel when they make a decision contrary to the teachings of the church, well, that's, that's my feeling. I, mean, I must be well-formed. Well and, and how to get them part, you know, really, if you're, if you're still stuck on that issue, uh, not in line with church teaching, ask, some, ask several people. Uh, ask your parish priest. Um, uh, listen to Catholic Radio. Call in to the show's Catholic Radio. We'll help you with that. But it's, it, it does freak me out that, we're, that, that people don't understand that. It is. I will give you. I will uh, admit to you in my um, my specific specific spiritual journey. Um, I came. I mean, I I was uh, what I oftentimes refer to as a uh, you know a late vert. You know, not a <laughs> revert. But I, you know, I ultimately you know wasn't. I this issue of abortion was one that I struggled with. Why? Primarily because I was much more formed by the arguments of society than I really even, th I, I didn't use thinking. I was using the false premises of society. It really was, I mean, it, it was a, it certainly was a moral transformation that allowed me to see the truth. So, so could, I, could I describe it as you had a well-formed conscience according to the secular society? Yeah, well, if that's a form of it, yeah. see, But see how I said that? Because right. I'm big on semantics. Exactly. There's a lot of people out there that really believe that they're well-formed. Exactly. But as I add to it, and in, in, in what the rest of the world teaches, not according to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Not according to reality. Yeah, right? exactly. Which is yes. the same thing. <laughs> that, which is, is something that we don't actually recognize. But no, that's exactly right. I had, 
in a sense, a perfectly deformed conscience. Ah, yeah. uh, but in reality, what woke my eyes up to me wasn't, um, necess- I mean, my openness to it was through prayer, through it, but it was really just, right, just biology. There was no, <laughs> and then recognizing, well, if this human being is a human being, right, says the, uh, is, Biologists will say, "Is right. Once you have a once you have a conception, right, a conceptus. You have the conception. This single-celled, right, this zygote, this single-celled human being, has all of the epigenetic primordia necessary for right. It's a human being. It's not, it's not a dinosaur, donut, right? It's not a frog. Exactly, an elephant. Yeah, right. <laughs> a turnip. It's a human being with everything that it needs." For self-directed maturation, what is the difference between this human being and any other human being? Well, it's size. It's it's level of maturation. It never changes. It's a continuous growth. From that premise, you recognize there is... The next step is the scary one. And this is the one that we move to the question of you know, would we vote for Hitler because of all the good he was promising to do? If we just said, well, I mean, I don't agree with his killing five million Jews and six million other people that he considered subhuman. I don't agree, but I can't push my religion on him. Hmm. But look at all these good things that he's going to do. Can we do that? What we really are doing is we're accepting his principle that it is not innate. Human dignity is not innate. It's something that somebody other, it doesn't belong with me, it doesn't belong with what it means to be human. It's what somebody outside of us chooses to grant us. The government chooses to grant us. If you agree with that principle, if you you agree with abortion, you agree with that principle, and in principle you agree with Hitler and every other genocidal maniac. You may disagree in your judgment about the application of the principle, but you agree on the same corrupt principle. Wow. Boom, think on that. Play this part of the video or the audio over and over and over. Now, Deacon, before we go off the air in two and a half minutes, I want to make sure we touch on Mother of the Americas Institute. Yes. Um, has an event this coming Saturday, correct? We Tell do. Tell us all about that, please. Okay. At Our Lady of the Atonement Catholic Church, mm-hmm. in, um, which is on the, uh, the northwest side of Off of 1604 in Red Robin. Okay. Exactly. So we have a Catholic Voters Forum. Oh, wow. Cool. Perfect. Is, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Very, uh, very opportune. <laughs> That we have this at the same time. It'll be in the St. Anthony Hall at 2 p.m. And we're going to go through these issues. And as a forum, we will have some presentation time and we will have opportunities for questions and, uh, and discussion about particular questions. Because these, these things are, can be very, they can seem complex. And the first time we are exposing ourselves to them, they, they can seem even more complex. But actually, as we start to work ourselves through them and we start to see them, it it becomes very clear. Oh, well, this is why the church teaches what it does. This is why natural law, you know, and the church teaching conform with one another so so well. Because one's revealed, one's the thing we can find through reason alone. And this really leads us actually to authentic freedom. Freedom from slavery to sin. Freedom to our previous slaveries. Um, so the event, does somebody need to register for it? Uh, is it nope, in person? Or is it virtual? Up. Just show up. And, and, and where will it be? San it will Hall? be in the San Anthony Hall. 
Right. Awesome. Awesome. So we awesome. have plenty of room. We're putting chairs out, uh, separated as much as we uh-huh. can. Social distancing, That's of course. Right. right. Okay, good. So, that, good. Um, so we will do everything we can to uh, uh, keep everybody safe. But we also will have an opportunity for um, for understanding these uh, these principles and the application of them, especially with regard to voting. Uh, at the uh, it, it'll start at 2 p.m. We okay, plan to go for about an hour. Okay. Um, no more than an hour. Maybe show minutes. up with your questions if you've got questions. Exactly. Want to make sure that you you grasp what's going on and and get your get your questions answered. I'm sure. Uh, will you be? Is it a panel? Is it be just you? I mean, there will be myself and uh, Mr. Anastasio Inojosa. Okay. Cool. Who is uh, also he's a. Uh, um, canon lawyer in, in formation. Amen. You know, wow. So we'll be able wow. to uh, help us to understand things from the perspective of how church law um, helps us to apply these things as well. Now, we didn't go through the exhaustive uh, list that you brought to us, but because we have an after show, folks, if you're tuning in via Facebook Live, uh, whether you're listening to us or you're watching us, we're going to continue this discussion for about 10 to 15 minutes afterwards. I want to ask a few more in-depth questions uh, regarding uh, some of you all say, no, but ask this and ask that. Uh, put it on Facebook. If you got a question for me you want, to, want me to ask and that I can ask it and that we can uh, legally with FCC and all that good stuff and keep our nonprofit status in check, if I can ask it, I'll ask it. But God bless you, and we will catch you all next week on Rise and Walk. But stay tuned for the after show. Thanks for listening to Rise and Walk with Richard and Julie Reyna. To listen or watch again, go to iTunes or visit the Guadalupe Radio Network Facebook page. Have a question or comment? Email us at riseandwalk at grnonline.com. And make sure to join us next week for another episode of Rise and Walk. the time for mercy the second greatest story ever told that's the name of the upcoming fullness of truth conference in canton texas taking place on saturday october 17th from 8 a.m to 4 p.m the conference will focus on the story of saint faustina and the divine mercy image and will feature guest speakers bishop joseph strickland from the diocese of tyler susan convoy from ewtn and dr luke arredondo you can buy your tickets online at fullnessoftruth.org Solidarity HealthShare is rebuilding Catholic healthcare in America. We conform to the moral guidelines of the Catholic Church so you never have to worry about your healthcare dollars paying for anything that violates your conscience. From conception to natural death, we strive to serve all healthcare needs, protect human life, celebrate families, and promote the dignity of all people. Join Solidarity HealthShare in restoring and rebuilding authentic Catholic healthcare by signing up at SolidarityHealthShare.org, a sponsor of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. Families pray for each other. We would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul.
Thanks for listening to KJMA 89.7 Floresville, San Antonio. On the Guadalupe Radio Network in South Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also streaming on grnonline.com and on your smartphone.